Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Today we're going to talk about in our series, Invincible, the problem of lust. Remember in our series, we're talking about the 10 mountains, the obstacles that separate us from the blessed life that God wants us to experience. And so today we're going to talk about how to gain victory over lust by moving from lust to purity. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffers. You know, lust is like a deadly disease. No one can see it from the outside, but before too long, the victim succumbs to the painful consequences. Truth is, none of us are immune from sexual temptation. But today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress will share three practical principles for overcoming impure thoughts. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome to a momentous day on Pathway to Victory. Today's message represents the conclusion to a teaching series that started on the first Monday in May and concludes with today's program. The series is called Invincible. This means that it's the very last day to request my best-selling book by the same title. And here's the reason you'll want to read this book. In the Christian life, sometimes we feel overwhelmed or even defeated by the mountains that stand in our way. Well, when you're willing to relinquish control of your life to God and follow His plan, He's ready to move the mountains that stand in your way. For example, in my book called Invincible, I've devoted an entire chapter to the important topic we're addressing today, moving from lust to purity. And I address nine other barriers as well that separate us from God's blessing. So, as we conclude, remember that today is the final day to make your request for my best-selling book, Invincible. We have a variety of other resources set aside for you as well, but we cannot send them unless we hear from you today. David will give all the details at the close of today's message. Now, let's get started. I titled my final message in the Invincible Teaching Series, Moving from Lust to Purity. What role does lust, this craving for sex outside God's boundaries, how does it lead to sin? I want you to notice what James says about that. Turn over to James chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. James wrote in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he doesn't tempt anyone. Actually, some in the early church in Jerusalem on the verge of succumbing to sin were saying, well, I guess God planned it. He's sovereign. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Maybe God is allowing me to fall into this sin. James says, stop it. God has no role in your temptation whatsoever. And then in verse 14, he tells us how temptation occurs. He said, but each one of us is tempted when we are carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust has conceived, notice the sexual imagery there. When lust is conceived, it gives birth to not life, but to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Just as a sperm and an egg come together to produce life, 
There are two ingredients that come together to produce sin. And sin always results in death. Not just physical death, but the death of everything important to us. Relationships, dreams for the future. And then he adds, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now let's go back to verse 14 for a moment. And let me give you this formula for sin in practical terms that James is talking about. What he's saying is corrupt desires plus the right bait plus the wrong choice equals sin. He says in verse 14, each one is tempted when he is carried away. He's talking about our corrupt desires, our lust. And so we've got these inward lusts, these cravings for things that are outside the will of God. So temptation begins with these corrupt desires, but that's not all. Each person is tempted when he's carried away and enticed. That's what bait refers to. In fact, the Greek word enticed is a fisherman's term. It means to hook. It refers to the hooking of a fish. Um, You know how that works how you dangle the right bait in front of a fish in order to get it to bite. I'll have to confess to you, I absolutely hate fishing. (laughs) I remember uh, when I went to my first or my second church in Wichita Falls, there was an old deacon there who wanted to build a relationship with me and later became a great friend, but he thought the way to do it was through fishing. So he invited me to come out with him fishing and uh, we were fishing. And so I had my line in the water And it stayed there, stayed there, not a nibble, not anything. While on the other end of the boat, my deacon friend was just pulling out fish one after another. And I said, Bob, what's the secret? Why are you so successful? I'm such a failure at this. He said, preacher, two things. First of all, if you're going to catch fish, you've got to smell like a fish. But he said, this morning, I didn't take a shower. He really didn't need to tell me that. I'd already figured that one out earlier. I didn't put on any cologne, anything. You've got to smell like a fish. The second thing is, you've got to use the right bait. See, not all fish are attracted by the same bait. You've got to know what bait to use for what fish. And when you drop that right bait down into the water, that fish, he sees that piece of attractive bait and he bites at it. Not really, there is a hook in the middle of it that will destroy its life. Now, folks, Satan is the master fisherman. Can he read your mind? He doesn't have to. He's been watching you for a long time. He knows what appeals to you. He knows what times that you're particularly vulnerable. And he knows what bait to drop in front of you at just the right time. For some people, the bait is sex. For other people, the bait is money. For other people, it's recognition. But he knows when you're weak, when you've been disappointed, when you've been hurt, and at just the right time, he's dropped that piece of bait in front of you. Corrupt desires plus the right bait plus the wrong choice equals sin. And sin, when it fully is accomplished, brings forth death. You know, we see a great illustration of the power of lust to destroy a person's life in the story of Samson. Do you remember his story in Judges 13 through 16? Samson was literally, as well as spiritually, blinded by his own lust. 
Judges 13, Israel was going through a difficult time. It was the time of the judges. It was a time they were being attacked by the ungodly pagan Philistines. By the way, Israel has always been under attack. Israel will continue to be under attack. Never forget that the enemies of Israel are the enemies of God himself. And it is imperative during this current conflict we're in right now that we see happening there that we be on the right side of history and the right side of God. And the right side of history and the right side of God is to be on Israel's side. That land doesn't belong to the Palestinians. It doesn't belong to them. They are usurpers of God's plan. God gave it to Israel 4,000 years ago when he marked out the land for Abraham. And one day they're going to possess that land forever. Doesn't cost you anything extra. I just threw that in. (laughs) But it's true. And these days they were being persecuted by the Philistines. And God told a woman that she was going to be the mother of the deliverer of Israel. His name would be Samson. He'd be dedicated to God, a Nazarite who didn't drink strong wine, didn't cut his hair and so forth. But when we see Samson, we find these words in chapter 14, verse 1. He went down to Timnah. Now, Timnah is not just a geographical location. Over and over in his life, you see that phrase, he went down, he went down. That is, the older he got, the further he moved away from God. He went down to Timnah, and the first recorded words out of Samson's mouth were these words, I saw a woman. I saw a woman, and she looked good to me. Literally, that word good is right. She looked right to me. The only problem is, this woman may have been right in Samson's eyes, but not in God's eyes. For he, she was a Philistine, an unbeliever. And his parents begged Samson not to take her as a wife. He said, I want her. I know what I like. And I want her, and I want her now. And so he married this Philistine woman, and she ended up being murdered. You would think that would be enough to make him turn back to God. No, then he went down to Gaza, and there he got involved with a prostitute. And ultimately, he got involved with a third Philistine woman who brought him down, Delilah. She discovered the secret of his strength, cut his hair, And the spirit of the Lord departed from him, and he didn't even realize it. He ended up being captured by the Philistines. The first thing they did was to gouge his eyes out. He could no longer see. His eyes that had gotten him into so much trouble were taken out of him, and he became a grinder at the mill in a Philistine prison, all because of the destructive power of lust. I saw and I wanted. I saw and I wanted No one summarizes the tragic story of Samson any more effectively than Chuck Swindoll. He writes, Samson was a he-man with a she-weakness. The strong man of Dan was taken captive and became a slave in the enemy's camp. His eyes were gouged out of his head, and he was appointed to be the grinder in the Philistine prison. Lust, the jailer, binds, blinds and grinds. The pride of Israel, who once held the highest office in the land, and now the ball-headed, was now the ball-headed clown of Philistia, a pathetic hollow shell of humanity. His eyes would never wander again. 
His life, once filled with promise and dignity, was now a portrait of hopeless, helpless despair. Chalk up another victim for lust. The perfumed memories of erotic pleasure in Timnah and Gaza were now overwhelmed by the putrid stench of a Philistine dungeon. Without realizing that Solomon had already written the epitaph for Samson's tombstone, Proverbs 5, his own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his own sin. He will die for the lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. That's the ultimate end of lust. How can we gain victory over lust that everyone deals with in one way or another? Let me share with you three practical principles for moving from lust to purity. Number one, write this down. Remember that no one is immune from the destructive power of lust. No one is immune from the destructive power of lust. Now, I want to take a moment and say a word to our teenagers. I hope you're going to remember what I say. There is a kind of teaching out there a belief system that says, even among Christians, that, well, teenagers, once they graduate from high school, whether they go to college or do something else, they're out on their own for the first time. And this is a time for them to experiment, to kind of sow their wild oats, to figure out what they want. And really, you get a free pass for sinning during this time. You're expected to do that. You're expected to run a little bit wild and It's okay because after a few years, you can always come back to God. Don't fall for that lie. First of all, the habits, the practices you get involved in right now will be a part of your life forever. You are forming habits and practices that won't stop once you get married. I've seen this so many times. People get involved in sexual immorality having a number of sexual partners or pornography. They get married, and as a couple, they come in, they say, we we thought that would end when we got married. No, it doesn't end when you get married. So many couples cripple their marriages because they bring all this sexual baggage from the past with them into the marriage. Sin is destructive. It becomes a habit. It's like wrapping a string around your hand. The first time you can break loose of that string, but you keep wrapping it over and over again. You can't get loose from that string. It's the same way with habits and practices. They'll be a part of your life forever. And secondly, don't think you can come back to God anytime you want to. It's not like a switch you flip on and off. You can move so far away from God that you can never come back. You know why? Not because he doesn't want you back. It's because you don't want to come back. And when you get to that place, there's no hope whatsoever. This is the time of your life. Contrary to what people are going to say to you, you need to live as closely to God as possible because you're making the decisions that will impact your life forever. Whom to marry, what career to choose. This is the time you need to hear God as clearly as you possibly can. Nobody is immune from the destructive power of lust. A man like David, who was noble, a strong man like Samson, a wise man like Solomon, all of them were destroyed by lust. 
And by the way, we often say that sex doesn't begin in the bedroom. It begins in the mind. That's not where it starts. It starts with the eyes. That's how it gets into the mind to begin with. And lust is always trying to get into your mind. Through the television screen, it woos us. Through the internet, it welcomes us. Through magazines, it winks at us. And that's why we've got to be very careful, teenagers and all of us, what we allow ourselves to look at. In Job 31 verse 1, Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. It's okay to glance maybe once. It's that second glance, that third glance, that gaze of something that's wrong that leads to sin. So that's why Job said, I've made a promise with my eyes. I'm not even going to look. And that leads to a second principle. Not only remember that nobody is immune from lust. Secondly, replace lustful thoughts with God's thoughts. You know, Martin Luther famously said, we can't keep the birds from flying over our heads, but we can keep them from building a nest in our hair. And that's the important thing to remember. When a lustful thought comes into your mind, you may not be able to control whether it comes into your mind. You do control what you do with that thought. And the only hope for getting it out of your mind is to confront that thought with the truth of God's word. That's why David said in Psalm 119 verses 9 to 11, how can a young man keep his way pure or young woman by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. When those thoughts come, you don't have time to go look up a verse in the Bible and search through, there's something in here somewhere I know. You need God's word right then, just like Jesus used it in the wilderness to replace Satan's thoughts with God's thoughts. And teenagers, um, many of you have been brought up in this church. You went through the Awana program, which is great scripture memory. You're in our youth program, but this is a time in your life I would encourage you to memorize scripture. I probably memorized more scripture during the years I was in college than any other time in my life. I ended up memorizing not just chapters, but entire books of the New Testament that still... um, 40 plus years later, come back to my mind, not just when I'm preaching, but when I'm in a challenging situation. The only way to dispel wrong thoughts is to replace them with the right thoughts that come from God's word. Let me mention a couple to all of you that you might want to jot down and commit to memory. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, flee immorality for every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Or here's a real simple one to memorize. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a person sows, this shall he also reap. Sin has consequences. Don't be deceived. Replace lustful thoughts with God's thoughts. And the final principle, remember, replace. Thirdly, realize 
that lust is insatiable and destructive. It is insatiable and destructive. Satan's lie from the very beginning was the one he whispered into Eve's ear. Do this. Eat this forbidden fruit and all of your dreams will come true. You will be satisfied. Listen to me. There is no amount of sin that can satisfy an empty heart. It's impossible. Lust, the desire for that thing that is outside God's will, it's insatiable. And it's ultimately destructive. I remember reading years ago an account of how Eskimos kill a wolf that is terrorizing their little village. And this is what the Eskimo would do. He would take a sharp, large knife and he would cover the blade of that knife in animal blood. He would wait till it froze and then he'd put a second layer of animal blood on there. Wait till it froze a third, a fourth, until the blade was completely concealed. And then he would take that knife and place it upright in the frozen snow. During the night, a wolf, attracted by the smell of the blood, would come. And he would begin to lick that blade, not knowing there was a blade in the center of it. And the more he tasted that blood the more ferociously he would lick that knife faster and faster and faster and faster. He was so overcome with the desire for that blood, he didn't even notice the sharp sting of the blade, nor did it recognize when the blood it was consuming became the wolf's own blood. Instead, he kept thirsting and thirsting and thirsting, trying to satisfy himself with his own blood, until ultimately he fell dead in the snow. What a perfect picture of the insatiable and destructive way of lust. Each person is tempted when he is carried away and tempted by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. I'm hoping and praying that this vivid illustration will motivate you to take your next steps. You don't need to be caught in the deadly cycle of sinning any longer. God wants to move the mountain of lust for you and bring you into the valley of purity and contentment. As I mentioned earlier, today is the final day to request your copy of my book, Invincible. There's an entire chapter devoted to moving from lust to purity in your life. In fact, my book includes 10 practical chapters on topics like moving from doubt to faith, moving from guilt to repentance, and moving from fear to courage. A copy of Invincible is yours today when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'm excited to get this book into your hands because I believe your best days are ahead. As you learn to trust in God, relinquish your own desires, and rely on His power. Plus, I've also set aside an exclusive DVD and CD for you as well. It features a message I delivered recently to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. 
I chose to speak to these influential broadcasters about preparing for the coming persecution of Christian believers in America. I believe it's on the way. And that's why I titled the message, When Persecution Comes. I want you to see and hear this message because it will help you get ready for what's in store for those who stand up for Jesus Christ. So please, get in touch today while there's still time. And thank you for your continued generosity. Together as partners, God is using our mutual efforts to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a hardbound copy of the best-selling book from Dr. Jeffress called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory. As an added bonus, you'll also receive a new message from Dr. Jeffress called When Persecution Comes. This timely CD and DVD message will help you prepare for the coming persecution of Christians in America. Here's our toll-free phone number, 866-999-2965, or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when you give an especially generous gift of $75 or more, we'll also include the complete Invincible teaching series on audio and video discs, along with a personal and group study guide. Today, though, is the very last day we're offering this set of resources, so don't put it off. Call us right away. Again, the phone number 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail right to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. One more time, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us next time for the start of a new series called The Parables of Jesus, Jesus' Favorite Stories. That's Monday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.